I'm Dawn. And I'm Tracy. And we are Real Women. Well, hello, Dawn. Hello, good afternoon. And Tracy, I cannot believe the difference in how you look from the last time I saw you. How many weeks ago was it when I saw you? Maybe four weeks ago beginning of june maybe no it was after july. that it was july beginning, beginning of july. july so about three nearly four weeks ago and i cannot believe how much weight you've lost i know amazing do you want to know the scores on the doors i do want to know the scores on the doors so as of this morning i am now 78.5 kilos so how much is that that you've lost I have lost, I've got to do the maths now, six and a half kilos in five weeks. So that's that's just over one stone in English money. <laughs> and what I can't, I can't, what I keep looking at you is it looks like you've lost a lot more. I think, well, one, I'm, I'm tall, I'm nearly five foot ten. So, you know, even though I was a, a colossal for me, yeah, I'm not judging anybody else, but for me, I was a colossal 85 kilograms. Most people wouldn't have known I was effectively over 13 stone and my BMI was in the obese category because of my height. Yeah. And it's always been the case for me that when I start losing, I'm not going to use the word losing weight, I'll tell you why later. When I start reducing weight, a lot of it goes off my face first. I think a lot of people, that we, I think as women, we tend to lose it off our boobs, our shoulders and our face. And the bit that we want to lose is our belly, but your belly's disappeared. My belly is disappearing. <laughs> it's not completely disappeared, guys. Um, you know, I, I have given birth to a, a wonderful six foot four um son although he wasn't six foot four when I gave birth to him of course but you know I have given birth to a baby and that obviously for many women as they will know that your abdomen sort of <laughs> takes the pressure of that but yeah my belly's gone down which was one of my bugbears my backside always starts to disappear it's not completely gone yet but when I'm actually at my ideal weight my backside is horrendously flat which most people like to have a nice big rounded bottom. Yeah, I've got mine a flat is, bottom. Yeah, my bottom is flat when I'm at my ideal weight. But anyway, here we are, wittering on. Um, welcome to our caffeine cast. And as you can imagine, um, today we're going to be doing a caffeine cast around dieting. And it's, it's a big thing, not just for women, but also for men. Uh, but I am going to share what I've been doing because it has been more about healthy eating and a healthy lifestyle than it is about me losing weight, although that's one of the things I did want as, a, as an outcome from it. So kick off your heels, grab your coffee or whatever it is you're drinking, unless, of course, you're driving, and then keep your hands firmly on the steering wheel uh, and sit back and listen in as we talk shit about dieting. So firstly, the word dieting, I've got a lot of umbrance against the dieting industry. The, the, the health aspect, yes, I... Of course, I'm not going to dispute that to have um, less, carrying less fat and having your, your, you know, your archeries clear and, you know, your, your blood cells running in a nice clean environment, all the rest of it, that's healthy. But the dieting industry preys upon people who are just focused on the fat loss and actually the way a lot of the diets work uh 
doesn't promote the health or the psychology for healthy psychology around body. And what people forget, I think, sometimes is the diet industry is a massive uh, billion billions of pounds worth of an industry. So it's it's almost conflict of interest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is. I mean, dieting is a bit of a bad word because everybody has this connotation of loss. Yeah. We don't ever want to lose anything because our subconscious will want to find it again. And I certainly do not want to find my fat again. Thank you very much. Um, but there is a big element about the dieting industry. At the end of the day, if you think about it, the dieting industry doesn't actually want you to ever get where you want to be forever because then you're not necessarily going to buy their products. So for many years, I've been part of that dieting yo-yo. Yeah, I've done shake-based diets. I've done the the ones where you go to classes once a week. And the end of the day, the industry is geared to make sure you're in it forever in a way. But when you start looking at healthier eating as opposed to it being about a diet, I am not on a diet, okay? Yeah. I've reduced my weight. I've come down. I'm thankful to say that I am now below the obese on the BMI scale. But whilst that was something that was one of my outcomes was to be lighter and brighter my main bit was I wanted to be healthier and I knew since COVID uh, you know COVID hit I'd yo-yo dieted for years I was at a pretty healthy weight prior to COVID and then we get lock-in and at the time I didn't really connect with this but during COVID and probably for about a year and a half afterwards my life revolved around grabbing a snack maybe every half hour, maybe once an hour, but throughout the day I was grazing. I'd become a grazer. Right. So half the time, and we've spoke about this before, half the time I couldn't be bothered to cook. I live on my own. So I was grazing all day. The problem was I was grazing on shit. I was hitting the biscuits, the cakes, the pizzas. And I didn't know that, you know, I was basically feeding my body addiction. Right. So I was creating addiction. And uh, last week we had our 100th episode with Nick Feeney. And when we were recording that, and I think we recorded that about the beginning of June. Yeah. When we recorded that, Nick came out with a comment about the fact that if he lived an average life, he'd got 29, 29 Christmases, 29 winters. And when he said that, I went quiet for a little while because... I'm slightly older than Nick, but I worked out the reality that if I'm really, 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 really uber lucky, I have got about 25 Christmases, summers, birthdays, winters left. And I suddenly realised that I wanted to make sure I got as many of those as possible. And because of where I was with my health and my eating, I was I was basically self-sabotaging my desire to live as many of those 25. And more importantly, even if I live another five, which I hope I don't. Yeah, we could do with you stopping around. Yeah, I want to be around a bit longer. If we had the choice. Yeah, (laughs) but if, if I only lived for the next five, wouldn't it be great if those next five years were healthier, brighter, more vibrant, more energy, I could go and do things I want to do. So now I'm at the point where, you know, God grant me however many years I've got left, 
But I now am on a mission to have those years as the, mo as the most vibrant I've ever had. That's beautiful. And you I, know, think, I think as well in this era of our age, you know, a lot of women struggle with the menopause and, you know, that, that, the tummy around that. And certainly what's fascinating about the journey that you've gone in is actually haven't, you haven't sought research from a dietary perspective. No. Nope. You've done it from a psychology perspective. Yep. And where that really resonates with me is on trying something to reduce my tummy fat and, you know, for the same reasons from a health point of view. Uh, plus part from the fact that I look pregnant most of the time, plus now my tummy, because I've got a flat bottom naturally, a small flat bottom. My, I've got a bigger belly than what I have at the bottom. She's got the skinniest <laughs> to die for legs ever though, folks. But how weird does that look? So, um, but then what happens is nothing shifts it. And then I think, oh, sod it. I might as well just eat what I want. And then I comfort eat. That's psychology. That's it is what psychology. That is. So, um, you know, as I said, I've done yo-yo dieting for years. You name a diet, I've done it. Atkins, shake diets, a lot. And yes, I have lost weight, but I've never sustained it because a lot of those diets aren't resetting the psychological side of your brain. Mm. So they work while you're uber focused on them and then they stop working. So... After the episode with Nick, I was doing a bit of research and I, I happened to have a, a conversation with a, a guy that I mentored years ago. And he, he happened to say to me, because he knows I'm big on mindset, I'm big yep. on, you know, habit and all that stuff. And he said, you know, I, I've read a book and I'm following the program, but I think you'll love this book because it's about resetting your brain and one of the one of the things about this book is it's all about resetting your brain so your metabolism can actually do its job and keep you at the weight that's right for your body. So I went and off and searched this book, which is by a lady called Susan Pierce. She's not a nutritionist. Um, she's got some qualifications and I can't remember what they are, but she's got qualifications that are related to brain and neuro. And it, it's called Bright Line Eating. So, and they call it bright line because it's about boundaries. It's about having boundaries for your habits so that you get out of the bad habits that are creating the unhealthy part of you. And that doesn't mean I can't ever eat another piece of cake or another biscuit. But the first job I'm doing following the guidance in the book is I'm going on a very strict regime to reset all of my habits all of my addictions that my brain has now got, because that's what I'd got to. I was addicted to certain food groups, the way people can be addicted to drugs and whatever else. So it's really strict, but it's really good. And the thing is, from week one, I was seeing a difference, not just in how I looked, but my energy levels, my mental state, my sleeping, my own belief about me. Um, was all coming within that first week. So what I've actually done, it sounds a lot, but I'm actually doing a very healthy weight reduction. I'm losing two to three pounds a week, which is really healthy. So when I did the shake-based diets, I lost like a stone in about two weeks. That's not necessarily healthy. healthy. Yeah. So, you know, you can get this book, guys. She's American. That, that It's an American lady, so you know, some of the stuff I have to convert into different measurements for me. But it, it's about 
resetting all of your habits. So you have three meals a day and there's no snacking in between. So, and there's certain food groups you can have and certain amounts of food groups you can have at any one of those meals. So for instance, I don't have grains at the minute while I'm reducing weight, I don't have grains unless it's breakfast. So things like rice, potato, all of the grain food groups, I do not get at lunch and dinner. Lunch and dinner is predominantly protein and vegetables, which is like all vegetables, cooked, salad, whatever. So when it comes to milk, I'm used to having loads of coffee with milk in it. I used to hate Same. black coffee, right? Yeah. But I can, you know, I can't have milk in my coffee unless I'm having it with a meal because the milk is a protein. Now, can I have protein at my mealtime? So milk in coffee would be snacking. Right. Yeah. So I'm now drinking black coffee and loving it. And yes, I'm doing... You know, some of the time it's decaffeinated coffee, but there are there are certain things that you've got to follow because it's all about setting some boundaries and you follow those so that your brain resets, resets itself and starts to understand what you are going to allow it to have and not to have because our subconscious will sabotage what we're doing. And there's some brilliant benefits from it, which will make you laugh, one of them. Anyway, so I get three meals a day. There's so much protein, fat and vegetables in each meal. And when I've stopped reducing weight, I can then have grains for dinner and lunch. Now, most of this book is not about dieting. It's the psychology side of it. It's the psychology of your mind. So I, I am currently and I will probably never have these things again unless it's sort of a, an odd occasion... I am currently, for five weeks, I've had no sugar. So from an addiction point of view, so we know this. And this is when we spoke, when I saw you last, which, uh, beginning of July. And this is, this is you know, what we, we sort of discover about ourselves, that we do things out of habit. But importantly, we know that sugar is addictive. We know that it's not good for you. We, we, know, we know all of this, so we... We comprehend that, we articulate that, you know, we, I can go on Google 50 times a day and it'll tell me all the ways to lose weight, but because I'm addicted to sugar, actually I'm not dealing with knowledge or a lack of knowledge, what I'm dealing with is an addiction and an addiction is related to how your belief system works and your habits. And so what I really have been fascinated about is that this book has tackled that online and what's been really interesting and we're in a similar Um, uh, phase let's say of menopause and you know some of those uh, things that happen when you're in this phase of menopause both of both of us of which have our menopause tummy but I think what has been fascinating for me is knowing that nothing else has ever worked for me and that I've given it five seconds because I get fed up because my psychology combined with addiction but just seeing immediate results presumably makes you want to break those habits. I want to break the habits. Yeah. Yeah, I know I was going down a very unhealthy lifestyle. Now, I do have some health problems which don't disable me, but at the end of the day, I have certain things going on that could reduce my lifespan anyway. Right. I don't want to reduce it anymore by doing something 
subconsciously or otherwise that actually is going to reduce the vitality of the remaining years. If I can do something about it, I'm going to. So serenity prayer, you know, control the things you can control. Have the, you know, what is it? The courage to to let go of the things you can't and the wisdom to know the difference. I can control what I put in my body and yeah. I can feed it things that are going to help me live a vital life or I can feed it things that are going to help me lead a very unenergetic life. I've just chosen to do the former, mainly because of Nick. So if you're listening, Nick Feeney, this is your frigging fault. <laughs> but So with, with the... I mean, it wasn't that neither one of us eat badly in terms of... Uh, I don't think we're heavily processed food. and we're heavily, But in the first... Let's say the first week of you... Because it was really strict in the first we're, week. Yeah. Um, although when I came down to yours and we had lunch and we 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 fitted the ingredients around, we had a lovely lunch. We had a gorgeous lunch, and my taste buds have changed within ten days. The things my body is now crying out for is totally different. Yeah. You know, who knew that a plate full of lettuce and it's not all lettuce, by the way, guys. I will explain what it is in a minute. But who knew that a salad? Because I've never been a massive salad fan. Who knew that could be so lovely? And Dawn came along, chopped a frigging nectarine on the salad, and I thought, ooh, I'll try that. I'll tell you something, guys, amazing. Bit of fruit on your salad is the best way to eat your fruit. But the first couple, so let's say the first week or the first three to five days, because I think a lot of people would relate to the fact that we, our intention is there. We know that we've got to do something differently. We understand and articulate that it's going in the wrong direction. Let's do something about it. And in the first week, it can be slightly torturous. You're either hungry, you've got cravings, you, somebody might get stressed and just reach for that biscuit or whatever, but actually that's as much of a addiction <laughs> flag as anything. Yeah. So how did you find the first three to five days? So the first three to five days, I mean, it... it when I sat down and looked at oh God, this is going to be so hard, but it wasn't as hard as I thought. That The biggest impact I had in the first three to five days was day three or four, I got a couple of headaches. Um, I put my bunny slippers on and um, I basically took time out, just had an hour out in the middle of the day just to recuperate and rest because I was tired. That wasn't the food I was eating. That was the the withdrawal symptoms from sugar and flour. Bloody hell. And what, what, what Susan Pierce explains in this book is sugar is akin to cocaine. So cocaine, um, and I haven't taken it, guys, so this is from the book, from the scientific background. So the cocaine comes effectively from a cocoa leaf. Now, if you're in the wild and you eat a cocoa leaf, you do not get addicted to it. But grind that into a powder and it becomes cocaine... That's addictive. Sugar is akin to cocaine. If you eat a sugar beet, you do not get addicted to it. But eat processed sugar, your body is addicted and it has the same impact on your brain that cocaine does. So it, it basically your dopamine levels get affected to the point that in order for your dopamine to get to the level to make you feel happy, you have to have more and more of the substance and every time you have more and more of the substance, you need a higher and higher level of it for your dopamine to get to that level for Bloody you to be hell. happy. That is the same as what cocaine does, apparently. And, you know, I haven't fact-checked her stuff in the book, but she does have certain qualifications, so this is just what I've read. 
Then there's no flour getting added to my diet, so no bread, no flour of any kind, no almond flour, no coconut flour, no flour. Flour is akin to heroin. So if you think about it, I can have whole grain stuff in my diet, uh, and that's okay. We do not get addicted to whole grain wheat, but our bodies get addicted to flour-based products, so pizza bases, bread. I mean, how many times have you had pizza or bread and your body's gone, I want more, that's not yeah, enough? Yeah, of course, you keep yeah. eating. Have an apple. Has your body ever gone, I want more, that's not enough? Not usually. Not <laughs> usually. So, you know, flour comes from processing the grain to such a point that it's a fine, fine yeah. thing. Yeah. Heroin... At the end of the day, has anybody ever got addicted to poppy seeds on bread? No. But heroin comes effectively... From poppy seeds? Yeah, poppy seeds is one of the things, but you get addicted to heroin. And this was the bit in the book where I thought, I'm fucking reading the rest of this. Bloody hell. Because most of the... I even looked at it like that. And do you know what? It's like people judge addictions. Do you know where this is kind of going to probably smack every single one of us around the chops ever such a little bit? We, if we were to walk past somebody who was addicted to heroin or, you know, r- rub shoulders with somebody who was addicted to cocaine. We call them junkies. Us, yeah, those of us who are not involved in those type of addictions would usually have some judgment about it. And you could have the most upstanding citizen in the entire world, but if they're addicted to sugar... There is a relationship. There's a relationship. An addiction. I I had addictions that I didn't realise were there because they weren't illegal addictions. There we go. So, do you know what flour and heroin does to your brain? I don't. I don't. So, I'm really bad. So, the author. I I mean, I love. I love anything to do with the brain. So, this book was right up my street, and I thought I was buying a book about losing weight and I wasn't and I read the whole lot of it within a day the whole book in a day so we've already covered the fact that in its unprocessed state you're not going to get addicted to it but you process it you get addicted heroin and flour and I had become a pizza and bread junkie I really had yeah bread's my nemesis yeah I can't remember what part of the brain it is part of me is almost saying it's part of the stem of the brain so Heroin and flour on your brain have the same impact. It gets to the part of your brain, which if I recall rightly, is the stem part. And it switches off your natural trigger that says you're full, stop eating. Oh, blimey. So when you have pizza, when you have bread, Bread. that is why our brain goes, I want some more. It, It loses that ability to cut off. So the whole book is about habits, how the brain works, how it... The reason why processed things like sugar and flour get to your brain, but the poppy seed and the cocoa leaf don't. She explains all of that. She also goes through willpower. So this was the bit I loved because most of you know from past episodes, I'm not a big gym goer. She actually says, unless you're already doing some form of exercise or you, you know, if you do not start something else alongside doing these new habits because it's too much for you to too much adjustment isn't your it? willpower is a finite resource each day so if you imagine you decide to go on a complete health kick you go on a diet you stop smoking you stop you go to the gym your willpower's got to be shared around all of them one of them's going to lose out yeah sure They've also, she put in there some studies, they've also done studies that 
people who actually if you're already going to the gym already exercising that's different if you're not they've already done studies that people who just do one at a time i.e do the healthy eating and don't yet go and do the exercise or only do the exercise they're already used to they have shown that the reduction in weight and the ability for your metabolism to get back to its natural state is faster Wow. <clears throat> because is it faster or is it is is the stats just that it's more it's stuck to more because you're not trying to do a million it's, things. Yes. So it's it, it's a better strategy so or tactic. It's the strategy because right. what she goes on to say is the reason being is that willpower mixed with the fact you're only trying to do that one thing at a time right. means you are likely to stick at it longer. Longer, and therefore, therefore you get it's better more results. Got you. Yeah? yeah. So the whole premise of this diet is I can't have anything that I buy from a shop that's processed if sugar or flour is, in, is within the top three ingredients. And by the way, while I'm reducing weight, I can't have artificial sweetener either. Well, my next question was going to be, I, I, I use honey. That's what I... No, you can't don't have, have, I'm honey. not having any honey. So the reason the artificial or other alternative sweeteners are removed while you're trying to reduce your weight is because although they don't have the same impact as sugar does, yeah. your brain will get the same sensation. So it will want the sugar that you are right. trying to withdraw from. Ah. But once you're at How the once you're at the level you want to be, you can go back to things like stevia and natural sugars. You know, because I'm not having sugar, guess what else I can't have? What? Well, I can have it. I can have whatever I want, guys. I'm choosing not to alcohol. See, I don't drink very. That wouldn't have even come. I, into I have I have the odd blast, but I don't drink every night. So yeah. that hasn't bothered me. I haven't had alcoholic drink in five weeks. Now I've gone two years before now, so that's not a biggie for me. But I haven't had bread. I haven't had pizza dough i haven't had sugar of any form i have had no processed food unless it's food i've created Create myself yourself. i go shopping i actually i went shopping in aldi's because the veggies a bit cheaper so it's more cost effective i'm a tight gear i'm from yorkshire somebody actually stopped me and said are you going to put any meat in that basket of vegetables three quarters of my shopping trolley was veg <laughs> Well, do you know what? I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Well, Tracy, it's been fascinating raising this. I'm going to jump on this as well because just physically watching your glow, it's like your belly's reducing and your glow's expanding. <laughs> and I, I honestly think that although whilst I set off on this mission, uh, part of it was about getting down to a healthier size because I was yeah. disgusted with myself. It's been one of the benefits because the other things that are coming by default, the vitality, the energy, the that's bright, where the, the magic brighter, is. The brighter skin, yeah. Um, that's where the magic is. The fact I'm now getting clothes out and got into for three years is a bonus. Love it. So yeah, there you go. Hope you enjoyed this caffeine cast. Um, if you want to get the book uh, or whatever program we're going on, but I definitely recommend reading the book. Even if you don't need to lose weight, it's fascinating about food addiction and how the brain reacts. Uh, it's called Bright Line Eating, which Bright Line just means it's a boundary that you're setting for yourself. But she calls them Bright Lines because it's a positive boundary. So it's Bright Line Eating by uh, Susan Pierce. And I think she is a Dr. Susan Pierce, but don't hold me to that. Okay. Well, with that, Tracy, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. 
If you've enjoyed our conversation today, please subscribe and download the podcast. To share your thoughts on this episode or to suggest future topics, connect with us on Instagram at Real Women Podcast. And thank you for listening.